Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Um, so uh, we're in the season of Advent, and for those of you who didn't grow up around this, like I did not grow up around this, we've been doing this uh, part of uh, our, the rhythm of our church for quite some time because uh, we just think it's important to stop and think around these themes. And so a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, actually, uh, we started the Advent season, um, and <clears throat> excuse me, we did so by lighting the candle of hope. There's no magic in the candle up here, y'all. It's just a candle, but... Um, what it does for us it visually cues us uh, to think about each of these themes. And so we've been thinking about hope, and part of the hope that Jesus brings to the world is, is very simple, and that is he is the king. We have a king. We need a king, and we have one. Uh, but it's, it's nothing of a physical realm or a political realm or uh, anything like that. It is, a, it is a spiritual kingdom led by a spiritual king. Um, a couple weeks after that, or excuse me, the week after that, a couple weeks ago, uh, we lit the, king, uh, the candle of peace to talk about and to remind ourselves that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is the one who brings it to us in, despite the circumstances that are going on, despite the, the way that the fabric of our lives may be tearing. He is the one who can knit those things together. Last week, Tyler preached the heck out of a really difficult passage and um, talked about joy, all the genealogy stuff there in Matthew chapter 1. How is it? A, we'll talk even, just reference it here in a minute, how that's a thread of God's faithfulness. And today, um, we light the last candle of Advent, the candle of love. I don't know if you have a favorite Christmas movie or not. This section over here, anybody want to weigh in? Josh, what was it? Elf. What, what one of the it's a wonderful life what a no I'm just kidding Elf. one of the funny sayings around our house and I mean it even happened yesterday whenever somebody leaves we're like bye hope you find your dad you know that quoting elf there it's so funny uh, anybody over here in this section want to weigh in on Christmas vacation I mean it's a classic die hard thank you so much I'm so glad you brought that up Darren I really am uh, because Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Uh, I mean, it came at Christmas, it happens at Christmas, and really, it, I mean, if, when you think about it, Die Hard is a love story. <laughs> there are weapons involved and, you know, bad guys. Some blood. Curse words. But it's a love story. John McClain loves Holly McClain. And there is nothing in Nakatomi Plaza that will keep him from making sure that she's okay. Die Hard is a love story. It's an odd love story, but it's a love story. Thanks for bringing that up. I appreciate that. Uh, the reason I ask the question is because Christmas is ultimately a love story. When it's all said and done, um, hope... Peace and joy are all themes in the Christmas story. Uh, but he saves the greatest theme for last, love. Uh, when uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, it says, uh, these three things remain, faith and hope and love. But the greatest of these, he says, is, is love. And so today we're turning to the, to the greatest theme, the final theme of Christmas. And in Matthew chapter 1 is where we're going to meet. Matthew chapter 1, if you need a... Um, Bible that you can put in your lap. There's some on the sides of the tech booth. If you're a user of the Bible app, feel free to uh, open up the app and find our love event. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 18. 
I'm going to read the whole passage here, and then we'll come back and just do some brief reflecting on it. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ. By the way, um, Christ there is a title. Uh, for those of you who did not know this, it's okay. Uh, but it is not Jesus' last name. Like, it, it, is, it is a title. So it's Jesus the Messiah. Christ is the uh, um, Greek version of the Hebrew word Messiah. So now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had become betrothed or engaged to Joseph, uh, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken, has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive, bear a son, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, uh, and he called his name Jesus. Uh, I, I want to talk about the, the love of God today, um, particularly at Christmas time. And the way I uh, think is best to do that from the text is just simply to point out that there are some things that the love of God says or, or requires, anything really, that the love of God requires of us. And then I want to uh, put forth something uh, that the love of God displays, okay? So that's how we're going to tackle uh, this particular passage. Um, God's love, the first thing when it talks about us, God's love requires our obedience, it requires our obedience. And I'll just have us note, Joseph, there are three kind of components of this. One is his faithful obedience. His faithful obedience. Um, so when it says in verse 18, the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed or engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So just imagine that dinner conversation. It's date night. There's a candle. Hey, I got something to tell you. Okay. I'm pregnant. What? How? And then, Mary, why? Why? You feel that tension building? She, she expressed this reality, and he has no frame of reference for this. None. And so either way, as, as Joseph responded in that moment, either way it was going to cost him. Either there was going to be public humiliation with a certain amount of public vindication. She would be judged. Um, there was possible execution. I mean, there was all sorts of things that could have happened. Either way, it was public humiliation. You don't hide um, a, a pregnant fiancé. Um, and, and there was uh, uh, the potential of public vindication. Or not. He could just make it go away privately, but either way, it cost him. He didn't, he didn't want to hurt Mary because he loved her. That's reflected in verse 19. Her husband, Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her, divorce her quietly. He didn't want to hurt her. He loved her. And I, I say that to note this, that sometimes when things go, and I'm preaching to myself this morning. Sometimes when things go chaotic in our world and go crazy in our lives, one of the harder things to do is the right thing when I am wounded. If I'm the one bleeding out here and still try to figure out what the right thing is, I don't even know what it is, and I, 
But that is exactly what the love of God requires because the standard of God does not change in that moment. I have the opportunity. I have the requirement to be obedient as things unfold here. That can look like uh, forgiving someone. It can look like releasing someone. Um, It can look like saying something or not saying something. It can look like um, taking a step back and trying to find some perspective on an issue. It can look like blessing those who curse you or taking the next step, praying for those who are actively working against what you know to be right and good in the world. It is very difficult at times to do the right thing, especially when you are the one who's wounded. The, The feelings for Joseph... The feelings for Joseph go like this. Betrayal. Confusion. I thought we loved, I thought you loved me. Frustration. Anger. Uh, when the angel shows up and says what he says, disorientation. I mean like, um, a full on, you, you engineer types, if you're bent that way, you'll love this. A full on loss of control. This is not in the flowchart. This is not how this was supposed to go. Th- those are the feelings that get associated with a moment like that. And then what, what I think probably welled up next was fear. Because um, w- when you got all this stuff kind of happening, like you're, one of the human responses would be to go, man, I, I, I am terrified of the shame that might be coming my way or will be coming my way or will be coming your way. I am terrified of the questions. Anybody grow up in a small town? You know how gossip is like that? This is that on steroids. And so uh, you, you have this kind of, what am I going to say to the people? How am I going to relate to I mean, I have to tell my family. You have to tell your family. How are we going to talk to our neighbors? What, what is going to be said um, to my coworker or the people who buy furniture from me as a carpenter or whatever it may be? Ha. Shame. Questions. Dealing, dealing with the questions. Uh, and maybe just maybe Joseph got to the point where he got clear-headed enough to just ask, him, can, can I love this child as my own child? Will there ever be ongoing trust between you and me again? I note that to say when the feelings come and you feel them, when the fear rises and it gets a hold of you, the standard, the standard that God will ask of us, the standard he requires of us does not change. It is obedience. It's obedience. It's faithful obedience. Secondly, it's complete obedience. Uh, Just note here um, that um, it, down in verse uh, 24. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. There was complete obedience. Um, this, he, he, okay, I'm going to marry the girl. We're going to hold off on the things that would consummate this marriage. Um, so that the, because uh, there's all the complications that go with all the other stuff. So I just, let's just stop. Okay, I, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do what God said. I'm going to be obedient the entire way, 100%, all the way through. Complete obedience. Why is that important? Because sometimes God does things that we don't understand and don't like. Anybody? Is that fair? 
In this particular instance, an angel shows up. He's like, hey, Joseph. Hello, angel. Don't be afraid. Okay. Of what? Don't be afraid to marry the girl. Hold up, man. Like, I was just trying to do the right thing and kind of let this thing go on. And what? Sometimes an angel shows up in Joseph's life or in our lives or some message comes to us or some circumstance happens and you can see, oh, very much God is at work, but I don't really like the way that he's working right now. In fact, if, like, if I had a magic wand, I would wave the wand. And Sometimes things get really weird. And so, when those things can get weird, it doesn't mean it's not God. When either of those happen, when God goes to work and we don't like it, when it's so crazy and odd, it doesn't mean it's not God. When either of those things are true, the standard does not change. God's love requires our obedience. Lastly, on this note, there's, there is a, a sense of quiet, a quiet obedience. So again, in verse 19, he was a just man. He was unwilling to put her to shame. He resolved to divorce her quietly. Down a little bit further, he just married her. He just married her and then held off on, on uh, didn't know his wife until she had given birth. There is a kind of patience in Joseph. He refused. He refused uh, to give a knee-jerk, knee-jerk reaction. Um, there, there was no hot take in him. He did not post a, a social media poll to try to figure out what was going on or try to rally the social media troops to his side to make sure that uh, Mary and her family knew that they were in the wrong here. There was none of that. There was this kind of just quiet, simple obedience. And I just note here, look at verse 24. When Joseph woke from his sleep, um, little pastoral advice here. You've got something out in front of you that you're not sure which way to go or how to do it. Hey, sleep on it. I, I mean, sometimes just that, just the physical rest where the body decompresses and the things that are stirring in your brain kind of clear, just that can you give you the kind of perspective that you need. And you go to sleep, you may have a dream with an angel in it. I don't know. I'm just telling you, Sometimes it's good to sleep on it because God may very well give you perspective as it happens. As Joseph obeyed, he didn't really care about, he wasn't thinking. He probably cared. He wasn't thinking necessarily about the people around him. He wasn't thinking about the people who would ask the questions. He wasn't thinking about the people who would or wouldn't buy furniture from him at this point. He had a single audience, one He cared about one, not his followers, but the one that he followed. He cared about one. So there was a quiet, kind of, if you will, committed obedience. No fanfare, no pomp, nothing posted on the internet. He just obeyed. He just obeyed. God's love requires our obedience because when it were. When it asks of us patience, the standard does not change. It requires our obedience. The second part is I want to look at just the the kind of nature of God's love displayed here at Christmas. And to do so, I want to back up to verse 20. So if you will. But as he considered these things, that's Joseph. As Joseph considered these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't fear to take Mary 
as your wife, or that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, that's not a message that he was anticipating. That was the message that came. That wasn't the word that he necessarily even wanted, but it's the word, it's the word that came. So I want to just work our way through some thoughts on this. This is God's love at Christmas. And it gets, first of all, it gets expressed in this gift, this sign of God's faithful love. When he says what is conceived here is from the Holy Spirit, what that means is, hey, I'm at work in the middle of this. Yes, it's difficult to understand. Yes, it's outside of your normal box and, and the way that you comprehend things. Yes, it's not in uh, the normal processes of how things go. I'm telling you, I'm at work here and this is a gift. And as he gives that gift to us, he is demonstrating or showing us a sign of his faithful love. Depending upon who you ask and how they, how they count them up. Um, we are talking in that moment, in that particular announcement, that which is from, uh, uh, that which is growing inside of her, this baby is from the Holy Spirit. That is 40 or better, 40 or more Old Testament prophecies coming to fruition in that moment right there. So all of these things that have been just, I mean, talked about and talked about and talked about, we got 39 books Worth of prophecy, talking about the movement of God to bring history to this particular point. Forty or more, depending upon who's counting. Sign of God's faithful love. Chapter 1, the first 17 verses. All of those, this is the genealogy. So-and-so was the father of so-and-so. I can't pronounce that name, but he was the father of this other guy. All of that is just a sign. It's just a thread. Of God taking this and going, hey, I'm bringing this to a point. I am drawing all of history to this singular point. And when I do so, one of the things that is going to come out of that is the incredible, faithful love that I have for my people. He quotes, verse 22, um, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, uh, by the prophet and that's Isaiah that he quotes from uh, chapter 7. Behold, the virgin shall conceive, bear a son, call his name Emmanuel. Uh, Isaiah was a prophet. Some 800 years before Jesus came. God spoke through the prophet Isaiah. Hey, this is what's going to go down. This is how it's going to happen. And folks, it was eight centuries. He said it. And then it's like, okay, press pause. Let's wait, you know. 800 years or so. Okay, now, unpause. This, this is the faithfulness of God. He can say things and they will happen. It won't necessarily be on our timetable. It will necessarily be in our lifetime. But he will say things and they will happen because this is the faithful God that we have. And that he is expressing this in his love. I'll just give you one more uh, to ponder here in my particular Bible. This is Matthew chapter 1 right here. And I've got this white page. Um, and if I turn that white page over, it just says the New Testament. And then here is Malachi, the last prophet of the Old Testament. Um, this little white page right here, that's 400 years of silence. Where God did not speak through a prophet. Oh, there was stuff going on. There was happenings in the world. This is 400 years of silence where nobody stood up and said, Thus saith the Lord. But yet... God was at work. But, but yet, God was readying the world to keep 
um, his promise. There was not a, a political situation. There was not a geographic um, situation. There was not an economic situation that stood in the way. There wasn't. I'll mention this at the end, but um, I was at a wedding Friday night. It's beautiful. You know what didn't happen? Bride was radiant. Groom was handsome and strong. At no point did the two of them look at one another and say, I promise to be 99.9% faithful to you. Because that would have been awkward. I mean, like super awkward. Because 99.9% faithfulness is not faithfulness. And some of you, that's how you live your life. God, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to be faithful. Or you'll be faithful most of the way. Or put your own qualifier there. I just want you to know, God is not 99.9% faithful, y'all. He is 100% faithful. And the love that he has for you is a faithful love. Second thing, he, he gives us, God's love is expressed through the gift of Jesus and he sends Jesus for forgiveness. Look at verse 21. She shall bear a son, call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Here's forgiveness. Forgiveness expresses the complete love that God has for us. He knows um, that the world is chaotic and that the world is wrecked with sin. And so he is not surprised by the sin that uh, is in the world. He is not um, thrown off kilter. He knows that we have sinned. He is not shocked by the need that we have. He knows that that sin um, in our lives and that is causing destruction and chaos and craziness in this world, he knows that that sin in our lives has built in, if you will, a kind of debt um, that, that, w- that is owed to the... When it talks about forgiveness here, when he says he shall forgive his people from their sin, that's an economic word in the, in the Bible. The uh, Bi- New Testament was originally written in Greek. It's an economic word. And so if Larry's here on the front row and I, I say, hey, Larry, can I borrow $5? He says, oh, yeah, no problem. He hands me $5. I go off and it falls into a crack or I lose it or I, whatever happens. And he comes back and goes, hey, can I have my $5 back? And I go, sorry, I lost it. Well, there's a problem now. There is a debt that has been incurred. And somebody has to bear the weight of that one way or the other. And some of us live with the idea that Jesus came to the earth to collect on that debt. And I'm telling you, he didn't come to collect the debt. He came to pay it. That is why Christmas is a love story. Because he looked at you and me, not surprised by our sin and not surprised by the debt that he would encounter when he did so. And he said, I am going to step into this world to pay that. That's what I'm doing. And he, he seeks us out as broken as we may be, as devastated as we may be, as undone or disintegrated as we may be. He steps into the world to seek us out. And Luke chapter 19, there's this little guy, his name is Zacchaeus. He climbs a tree, he wants to see Jesus. Jesus stops, takes him to, uh, they go to Zacchaeus' house, have dinner together. Some point along the way, Zacchaeus puts his faith in Jesus. And at the end of that story, he says, the son of man came to seek and to save that which is lost. That's what he's done for you and for me. He comes to seek and to save that which is lost. And you look down the row and be like, I'm sure that Jesus came to seek and save them. They look nice, put together. They look okay. 
when it comes to my life and all the chaos and brokenness that is my world, I don't think I qualify. Maybe I could coattail this bad boy and slip in. But my, my debt, no. My brokenness, no. Um, 2017, we had went to Alabama, sat on the beach and, you know, just be there. Vacation for a family. Um, you, you get that thing where you, you, you're there long enough and you finally get to scrape some of the stuff off, you know, like that. Oh, that feels like vacation. It feels like rest. Um, little, the littlest one and I, we're sitting there just kind of right at the water's edge and she's kind of right in front of me and picking up. Uh, shells as the water's washing them in. We're kind of right at that thing. Um, and so uh, she's picking up shells and collecting and throwing and that. Uh, she's like, uh, no, yeah, and yes. Uh, so she picks up this particular one and uh, she says, oh, daddy, this is beautiful. I said, babe, it's broken. She goes, it's broken, but it's beautiful. Now listen, some of you have been at a point, you've walked with the Lord where you've had a burning bush moment where you're like, oh, this is God. That, I'm telling you, Holy Spirit kind of wrapped his arms around me. He was like, hey, man. Broken. Beautiful. I'm saying that to say this to you and to me. Christmas is a love story because Jesus came knowing what he was getting into, knowing what he was going to have to suffer, knowing that there was brokenness in the world that he would take on so that you and I could be made whole. Forgiveness is a sign of his complete love. And lastly, um, uh, uh, just simply, I don't know how else to say it, just presence. Behold the virgin, verse 23. Behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel. And then it says, it gives an explainer, which means what? God with us. God with us. He is present with us. That is a sign of his committed love. <clears throat> when we think present, uh, don't think like some people, uh, uh, they're, they're in one another's presence, but they are not present with one another. You know the difference, right? Um, in one another's presence is we're sitting in the same vicinity, but we're doing our own thing or on our own, whatever. But it, present with one another has a completely different, like there is eye contact, there is connection, there is this kind of interaction. There is a, I'm, I'm my, my chair, if you will, is turned toward you. My face is turned toward you. And so some people think, oh yeah, God's present with me as if like he's just around. He's distracted. I'm distracted, but he's around. This is not how. So he's not just present with you. He is pro, like he's for you. And he is trying to reach out and connect with you. That's what it says. That's what it means. Is that they should call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. We think that God, some of us live with the idea that God is disconnected from our experience, but nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus came as a human and experienced all the stuff we did. You want to know about betrayal? Jesus knows about betrayal. You want to know about pain? Jesus knows about pain. You want to know about joy and delight? Jesus has experienced that too. The scripture says he, was, he uh, came as a human, fully human, okay? And, <clears throat> excuse me, in, in Hebrews chapter 4, tempted to try it in every way, just like we are, yet without sin. A couple chapters earlier in Hebrews chapter 2, and because he was tempted and tried, he is able to come to the aid of those who experience those things too. 
It's a sign of his, it's a sign of his committed love. A- admittedly, unlike Joseph's quiet obedience, his love doesn't tend to be quiet. It rejoices over you with singing and it cries out from a cross. Oh man, I want you to hear um, uh, about the victory that I'm about to bring. Um, and, but here's the thing. It, it refuses. It refuses to settle for simple identification. Oh, oh, I'm one of you. And I know what it's like. He, that, that's too small. He, he wants salvation for you. Or, to put it differently, transformation for you. He genuinely wants to genuinely change you from the inside out. Not, not just saying, oh yeah, man, I know what it's like. But to say, I'm going to make you into something different, something better, something incredible, something awesome, something glorious. This is the plan. This is the, this is the reason why he is present with you. You should call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Not just in our midst, but for us and, and focused on us. So I went to a wedding Friday night. Beautiful wedding, beautiful venue. Weather was terrible, y'all. It was awful. The wedding was awesome. The, the groom wrote and recorded a song for his bride that was their first dance. And I'm telling you, when they, I leaned over to the people I was sitting with, I'm like, at my peak coolness, I was never that cool. Like, everybody was like, oh, all right, let's do it. You know, we're like, <laughs> so they danced to a song that he wrote and sang, recorded and sang, they danced. And I'm telling you, it was, it was beautiful. The song was great, really amazing. Um, the, the dance was really sweet. And the place, I mean, the cops could have, in, could have come in, arrested everybody, and left, and they never would have known it. There was a focus and a, 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 a real sense of like, I, I'm in this moment with you. I'm here with you. I don't think their eyes ever left one another. And when you hear God is present and it's a sign of his committed love, what I want you to know is that God sees you. You may not be dressed up all beautiful. You may not feel all awesome. You may not think you're worth dancing with. You may not be able to hold his gaze because of whatever's in your life. But just because you take your eyes off of him does not mean that he has taken his eyes off of you. He is present. His name is Emmanuel. It is God with us. This is why Jesus has come, to demonstrate the love that God has for us. That, that love is a gift. It is a gift. It is faithful. It, it, is, it is 
chock full of forgiveness and complete. And it is present with you, committed. So let me pray for us. And then we'll uh, just let a song kind of wash over us and then have a moment to respond. Go ahead and settle in if you need to. Just put the things aside, whatever you need to do. Just take a moment. As you do so, as you just kind of settle in, maybe just ask this question. Holy Spirit, what did you say that was for me? What was a unique gift-wrapped present for me today? So, Spirit of God, I I pray that you would be at work and let this stuff kind of sift down into us wherever it needs to go. Some of us need your love to overcome our shame. Some of us need your love to, to get us off of the same spot we've been standing for months or years. Some of us need your love to kind of radiate, if you will, through us because there's some people around us who need your love, however that goes for any particular person, any individual in here. I pray that uh, you would do exactly what your word says. In Romans chapter 5, where it tells us that you, you shed abroad, you pour it out, the love of God into our hearts. We want to stand under that waterfall right here in this moment. Make the love of God real to us, Spirit. Given to us, demonstrated for us in the King, in Jesus. That's our prayer. Please make it our reality. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen and amen.